what I'm going to do in this next hour and a half is take a lot of the information that they shared and, I, and we're going to talk about our everyday orthodontics in our practice because that's what I am. I'm just an everyday orthodontist. I'm out there just like you guys trying to make this work, trying to make Invisalign work, trying to make it productive, profitable, and efficient. And that's what I'm going to share with you in the next hour and a half. And I'm going to focus on adult orthodontics because that's kind of where we started back in 2008 when we decided to focus 100% of our intention, uh, attention on Invisalign for our patients. So Sarissa already told you a little bit about me, so don't need to kind of reiterate a lot of things. I am in practice with my husband, Dr. Paul Cater, and we have three offices in Northern California. We've been top 1% providers since 2010 and started doing Invisalign in the year 2000, so we were early adopters. What I'm most proud of really is my family, and here we are in front of the, it, it's actually under construction, this is our newest office, and I'm here with my daughter Karina and our son Nate. My husband Paul couldn't be here today because our son Nate is in the um, state, there, his water polo team is in the finals today for uh, the uh, Northern California state champs, so he's there with our son and I'm here with you folks. So, those of you that subscribe to my blog know I'm really big about goals. And I have goals for all of you folks today. And they're big goals, okay? We're going to learn a lot about the adult market, both from a demographic and marketing standpoint. And I think there's some really compelling information that you're going to find, especially anybody in this, uh, in this uh, place today that's interested in doing more adults. We're going to dig deep. I'm going to open up ClinCheck's. It's ClinCheck time, okay? And we're going to dig deep, and I'm going to show you exactly how I set up several. I'm going to go through about eight or nine adult cases with you and show you all the good stuff I did and show you some of the things that I wish I never had done, okay? And then last but not least, all the way through, I'm going to be sharing tips about making it profitable, making it efficient. Because that, at the end of the day, we have to be able to use this appliance, which without a doubt by now you should be convinced it's pretty amazing and it can do a lot more than you realize for some of you here for the first time. I mean, in our office, honestly, we don't put fixed appliances on adults anymore, except for maybe some segmental types of treatment. So we're 100% adult Invisalign practice. And we feel that when we offer Invisalign to our adult patients, it is actually in our hands at this stage of, of our level of expertise, we feel that we're offering a superior or a, pr a premier appliance. But before I go into any of this, I have to say whatever I show you folks up here, it's not just me. Yes, I'm in front of the computer and I'm doing these clean checks, sometimes in my pajamas, sometimes beside my pool, and some of you have heard me talk about clean checks and Chardonnay, it's my favorite way to do them. Um, pajamas is my second favorite way, okay? So, but I couldn't do it without this team. And I have an amazing team who, when my husband and I in 2008 said, hey, you know, we're going to stop putting braces on people's teeth and we're going to start doing Invisalign. And this was before you, we had G3, G4, G5, G6, ClinCheck Pro. 
way before we had a lot of the educational programs and tools that are available to all you folks today, these ladies said, sure, we're in, we're game. It takes a lot of courage and couldn't do it without them because they're the ones that execute my crazy plans, I have to tell you. And they do it usually with a smile on their face. And if for some reason today you hear something I said and you want more clarification, there's my email, there's my office phone. You should ask for Dorian. Dorian, where are you? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I'm, I, I am really good about getting back to you on email. If you have a question, call the office. I'll be happy to give you a call back. I have a website which also has some great resources, especially marketing, because I'm going to talk a little bit about some internal marketing strategies. And, and I have a list on my website of some of the vendors I use. So why adult orthodontics? Who here? is a baby boomer. So you, you were born between 1946 and 1964. Okay. What's really interesting about this demographic, it's about 75 to 80 million people in the U.S. Next year in 2015, it says it right there, those 50 and older will represent 45% of the population. It's a huge demographic group. They control 28 trillion, and that's with a T, dollars, they're very interested in new experiences. They're very health conscious. In fact, uh, I always say my, my tagline is um, their new wealth is their health, right? And furthermore, it is predicted they're going to spend an additional $1 trillion in healthcare services in the next decade. In fact, they spend more money on healthcare services than anything else. And this website, immersionactive.com, is worth uh, looking up. It's a great website for some really compelling data about this demographic group, and, and it'll give you some uh, great, uh, just some ideas. They're actually a marketing company, but they have some great information about this demographic. So let's go to the next group. This is the Gen Xers. Now, these are mostly our patients' parents. This is an interesting group. So this group, how many here are in this group? You guys are about 49 to about 34 or so, okay? A lot of this group of, of um, adults are the parents of our kids. They're the, the ones that are kind of hovering over what you're doing. If you're 10 inches away from your, their child's mouth, they're about six inches away, right? They're back there asking multiple questions. They're, you know, we, we sometimes kind of used to, in our old software system, we used to put a bumblebee next to their name because they were buzzing around, you know. Um, and you, it, it, they're a group of people that grew up during a time where parents were going through divorce. About 30% of this group, their parents are divorced. They're latchkey kids. They have a lot of trust issues. So a lot of times they come in and they're asking us lots of questions and we're kind of frustrated by that because we're like, why don't they understand what we're saying? And, and it's because they grew up in an environment where it was really tough to, to trust people because they had a lot of um, breakup, marriage breakup, a lot of separation, a lot of being home alone. But what is good to know about this group, they're very disease aware. They're very tech, they, they love technology. And if you can build their trust, and you know this because you have patients you're treating their kids. 
What happens sometimes? They start talking about, you know, I, I've had this crooked tooth. I never had orthodontics. My parents could afford it. Could I really have Invisalign? I mean, you know you're having these conversations. And if you're not, somebody in your team should be asking them. And I can't tell you how many times we'll treat the whole family of children, and then eventually mom will come around and it's her turn. That happens a lot, and I know most of you here have had the same experience. The next group are the millennials, also known as Gen Y. Who here is in the millennial group? Okay, oh, okay. Oh, there's a few of you here. You, you, you all didn't just get home at 6 a.m. Okay, so the millennials are 75 million. This is a big group, okay? You guys are about anywhere from about 16 years old to somewhere in your early 30s. And they're a very health and image conscious uh, group. Most of the millennials are the children of the baby boomers, so there is this tendency for them to have had very uh, privileged lives. You know, they're very brand aware. They're extremely savvy when it comes to technology. They care about experiences. They're easily bored. That's why I think Vegas is a good place for millennials to to hang out, right? Because it's, it's pretty. There's a lot going on. The key values are important here. Look at the things that are really important to them. Choice, innovation, integrity, customization, speed, and of course, entertainment. So when you think about the adult population, I mean, the majority of people are gonna be in this group. And if you add all that up, you had about 80 million baby boomers, you had another 50 million Gen Xs, okay? And then you have another 75 of these millennials that's a lot of potential patients that are interested in what we have to offer, especially Invisalign. So why? Let's talk about what Invisalign's all about, right? The things that are most important to them. Worldwide brand recognition. It's a custom appliance. It's very high tech. Very convenient. Those, gen, uh, those uh, gen X moms, they like the convenience. That's why a lot of their teens are getting Invisalign. It's a better experience, right? Less discomfort, right? More socially acceptable. You know, if you're a, a divorced man, you know, and you're now in your late 40s and you've never taken care of your teeth, putting a bunch of brackets and wires is not gonna be the best way to meet new women at the local pub, okay? And obviously, um, it, it can help with uh, joint pain. We've, we've had, we had a lecture yesterday that was amazing from Dr. Lauder that I loved. And results can be achieved faster than with traditional braces. And I, I don't have to be the only one to tell you that. You've seen that if you were here all day yesterday and, and saw Dr. Uh, Bella Shen's uh, beautiful presentation on class three and open bites and how quickly she was finishing those cases. But the bottom line is, um, a lot of these people aren't coming into your office because the only thing they're thinking you're going to offer them is braces. And they'd rather live with their crooked teeth. They're, they're as, as, as Clark Koval said this morning, they're naturally aging dentitions. So we're going to talk ClinCheck now because I think that the bottom line is if you say, okay, Donna, I'm in, I, I want to do more adult, but this whole ClinCheck thing just has me just totally frustrated, exasperated, and I, I just, every time I do one, I'm just having uh, struggles with it, multiple refinements, mid-course corrections. We're gonna tackle a lot of that today, 
But before I get started, I want to share a story with you. I'm reading a book. I actually just finished this book. It's a great book. I encourage everyone to get their hands on it. I love to read. It's called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. She is the COO of Facebook. Okay? And in the book, she tells a story about a girlfriend of hers who is pregnant with the, her second child. And she has a toddler. And the toddler says, Mommy, the baby's arms, where are the baby's arms? Are the baby's arms in your arms? No, honey, the baby's arms are in my belly. Oh, okay. But mommy, where are the baby's legs? Are the baby's legs in your belly? No, no, honey, baby's legs are in my belly. Mommy, you mean that whole baby is in your belly? Yes, yes, the whole baby, honey, is in my belly. Well, then what's that growing in your butt? <laughs> and I know you're thinking, like, what does that have to do with ClinChex, right? I know you're all thinking that. What it has to do with ClinCheck is that I'm going to be that toddler. I'm going to tell the truth, right? Because that's what kids do. Toddlers, kids, they tell the truth. And so I'm going to share with you not only my successful ClinCheck's, I'm going to sh share with you some of the things that I, I would say I wouldn't do again. But what's really cool about it is that we're all orthodontists here. And the good news is that no matter how we set these ClinChecks up, we can always go back and do a refinement and fix it, right? So let's get started. So we're going to talk about these class one adult cases. And here we have Bob, typical baby boomer, age 69. And I love that term, naturally aging dentition. Patients are coming in all the time, especially this age group, complaining about uh, their teeth are shifting, they feel like they can't floss anymore. You all hear the same thing. You obviously had previous ortho, right? Because you can see it four buys out. So I'm not going to take any teeth out on Bob. And we're going to use Invisalign to correct this problem. So let's take a look at the ClinCheck here. And I'm going to go through it with you and explain kind of when I open up a ClinCheck, kind of my thought process on, on, on how I manage it. So the very first thing I like to do is I go over to my staging tab and I click on it. And that'll tell me a lot of what's going on right away. And I didn't think about using this tab back when I treatment planned Bob, okay? Because I would totally do things differently today. So for example here, he has some attachments that are taken off around a liner, it looks like it's around a liner 11 or 12. And then he has some um, interesting, and he has some IPR at the end, which actually I'm not opposed to, but let's just run this through. And this is kind of what's weird about it. He's got some attachments here. He's got some that come off here, and then he's got one that comes off later. And sometimes when you're looking at these and you open them up and you jump right into opening up the ClinCheck, Sometimes you're focused on one other part of the ClinCheck that you miss little things like attachments coming off in the middle of treatment. And while that's not a big deal, it is a big deal from an efficiency and productivity standpoint because now that patient has to come back in, get those attachments off, and it's an extra visit. And I'm all about minimizing visits. Our goal in our office is to have 12 appointments total. And that 12 appointments means from the day they get their aligners to the day they get the attachments off and retainers delivered, 12 appointments. And that's how you're going to make your practice efficient and profitable by really making sure that every appointment counts 
and that every appointment's efficient. So having this guy come in, put attachments on, and take them off later, um, I wouldn't do that today. I would just have left them on the entire treatment time. A couple other things I, I note here. Let's take a look at the lower. Um, there's some IPR that's programmed, and typically, again, this is come year of the doctor, and I'm not going to tell you how to treat cases, but I definitely think, unfortunately, I still think like an orthodontist, so I'm either going to do round tripping or I'm going to not do round tripping, and if I put brackets, wires, and bands on this young man, he would have had some round tripping, right? Because you would have put your brackets and on and your wires and expanded everything out. So that's essentially what I did here. And then at the very tail end, there's a little bit of IPR that goes on just to finalize the movement. And to be honest with you, it was mostly just to get rid of some potential dark triangles. I am um, on the top. Let's look at the top real quick. There's some IPR here, and this is just a little tip for you. Um, you know when you have uh, central incisors that overlap and then you straighten them out, they always end up with a, a nice little dark triangle. So I try to kind of troubleshoot it. I don't always set it up in the first clean check. I did it on this one. A lot of times I'll wait to the refinement. But if you want to look like a hero and like you're really, really smart, you set it up so that, that um, those dark triangles are taken care of. And I typically will do them towards the tail end of the clean check, and then I order these overcorrection that you see at the bottom. And the reason I do that is because a lot of times the patients don't really realize they're going to have dark triangles until they're there. And then they say, oh, Dr. Galante, like, I just noticed there's this big space up between my two front teeth now. Or are you going to fix that? And I'm able to say, you know what? Yes, I am. In fact, next visit, we're going to go in there and we're going to slenderize your teeth, which sounds a lot better than slicing and dicing or shaving. And I'm going to get rid of that dark triangle. And that makes the patient happy. They feel like, wow, she's on it. And certainly, it's one of those things that a lot of times, if you don't do it in the first stage, you do it in the next stage. And let's look at where Bob ended up at the end of this first uh, stage of aligners. So here he is at the refinement. And another um, little detail that I can share with you here is you could definitely see that number eight is short, right? It's been ground on and he's got occlusal wear. And we always have the discussion, are we going to intrude that tooth, right? And, and line up the gingival margins and then Bob would have to go get a veneer. And I don't have too many dentists that I work with that like doing just one veneer, right? They usually want to do at least two. And I've had conversations with others that want to do at least four to six veneers. So Bob just declined to have me do anything with that tooth other than line up the incisal edges. He did not want me to intrude it. So I go back in to do um, another refinement, and I'll show you the refinement stage on him. There really wasn't a, a, a whole lot to do other than maybe a little bit more, uh, tiny little bit of alignment on the lower. And again, let's look at the staging tab. You can see all the attachments are going on at the first time here. A little bit of IPR, again, because this dark triangle was still there, and he wanted a little bit more reduction on that. So we, we kind of did that, and that's pretty much it. Did I need 17 aligners? Probably not. It was probably overkill. So there's a couple ways to manage this, and I have to be honest with you, it comes down to a little psychology with the patient, okay? 
patient comes in and they're thinking, I had 17 more aligners times two weeks and they're freaking out and they're not happy with you. So a lot of times on the refinement, there's two ways of handling it. And you can move the patient to a weak cycle, which is what I did with him. And pretty much what we do with most, I can't, 90% of our refinements go to about a seven day cycle, maybe 10. Or you could ask your technician to give you the number of aligners you think it would take to finish. So how do you do that? If the patient was in braces and the patient said to you, hey doc, how long am I, how much longer before I get these braces off, right? And you'd say, oh, it's gonna be three more months. Well then just do the math and figure out how many aligners that would be. And I would say sometimes if I'm dealing with a, a patient, an adult, because a lot of the success of this is, it's the ClinCheck, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it is chair, chair side management, right? And you know, if you have a, a patient that's been really anxious about the whole treatment, and you know that if you, you know, change any little thing, she's not gonna be very trusting of you, then maybe if you told her it's gonna be three more months and she already has the math in her head how many aligners it's gonna be, then ask your technician for that many aligners and most of the time it, that's what I get back. I mean, they'll send you a note saying, you know, I can't do that, doc, but I would say that's about one in 10 and then I'll send the, the note back and I'll say, okay, well, how many aligners can't, I want the fewest number of aligners to finish the case and sometimes they'll add like three more. But I've gotten to the point where I'm happy to give them a lot of aligners and refinement and just have them switch them out every week. They kind of like it better anyway because they're fresher, they feel like they're progressing through them. So let's, um, I'm gonna close out and let's look at Bob's final here. So here he is, so he didn't make the cut. He had 15 appointments, not 12. He had 18 months of treatment and he has the famous posterior open bite that we often are getting in our cases. And this, these posterior open bites, there's different ways that we manage them, and I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail on him specifically, other than we put him in retention, we reduce the amount of time he was wearing his aligners to about 14 or 16 hours, so they go from 22 to about 14 to 16, okay? And we allow for what we call settling, which is what a lot of us do with our braces patients too, right? You count on settling. So let's see if he settled out. And here's his pano before and after. And the only reason I show that just to show nice root uh, uh, parallelism before and after. Here he is at four months retainer check and it's starting to close down very nicely. Here he's open, here he's closed down. So my diamonds, and the reason I give you diamonds is because they're worth way more than pearls, right? So pay attention, because these are really good tips. Look at your staging sequence first. If you see something there that you don't like, you can automatically, that's one of the first things you might want to change. <laughs> um, you have to decide whether you want a round trip or do IPR. I, I can't tell you what to do. That's your personal choice. But I prefer, and if you wanna talk about marketing, internal marketing, and having patients have an amazing experience, I can tell you that they're not that excited to have a lot of IPR done when there's no space between their teeth. They're not excited, it's painful. Honestly, it makes my job really hard, and, and I want my job to be easier, not harder. 
I want the experience in my office to be always like, wow, amazing, that they're blown away. And doing IPR at stage one on a very crowded patient, to me, does not categorize that experience as being a wow experience or a wow, I'm going to go and write a great review about this experience. So we tend to try to do what I would call more arch development, expansion, and then do the IPR later. And as far as posterior open bites, they will often settle. Uh, we will take some more aggressive measures, like I know uh, Bella showed some cases yesterday where she had put some buttons on and elastics, and we certainly do our share of that. But, and, and, and I have a little bit of a gauge as to what I think is one that's going to settle versus one that's not. And sometimes it, it comes down to Dr. Galante's opinion on what should we do next. So here is Susan. And again, age 59, a baby boomer, comes in. Her main concern, as you probably imagine, is this lower incisor, right? And she said, doctor, it's making my tongue a weird shape. I can't take it anymore. It's affecting my speech. And she noted that her granddaughter had made a comment about grandma's ugly tooth. And that really bothered her, OK? So Susan is, is here in my office because we're doing Invisalign. And this case is going to be a really good learning one for, it was a good learning one for me. So I'm assuming it's going to be a good learning one for you guys too. So here we are. Let's look at this lower. Well, first of all, staging. We'll just look at the staging tab. Everything here was, I like having all my attachments placed on the first visit. And the reason for that is it just makes one fairly long appointment and then they don't have to come back for a little while and they're usually happy about that versus giving them a couple and then having them back maybe in four weeks. So we like to do it all at once. With the smart track material, there is absolutely no problem getting the aligners off anymore. I mean, I used to have patients years ago, you know, they break their nails and they'd call me. I had one patient call me at like midnight on a Friday night. He couldn't get them off. He'd been trying to get them off all day. And now it was midnight. I don't know why he waited till midnight, but he called me at midnight. And I coached him through getting them out. Um, but we don't really have those problems because the smart track, it, it, it pretty much, uh, they, they come off fairly easily. So let's look at the lower because this is where the whole work is, right here. Okay? So if we look at that lower incisor, you'll see right away what's going on that's not correct. And that is because that lower incisor is moving and there's really no room for it to move. I mean, it's like magic. So you still have to use your ortho, you gotta put your orthodontic hat on and you gotta think about tooth movement and you gotta think if I had had fixed appliances on there, I probably would have had an open coil in there for a little while before I even put that bracket on. And here I'm trying to move it and there's really no space. So we right away have some tracking issues. We don't get that far with her, probably about 10 aligners and we, it's not tracking, and we have to go back and reboot. So we're going to go back, and we're going to reboot. And here you go. You see? Not, not didn't get too far. So we do a mid-course on her. And so this time, I'm, I'm very aware of the situation on the lower. And I know now I'm going to make sure I have some space before I start moving that tooth. So oh, and what I did here, which I actually don't recommend doing anymore, but I did, and her upper was tracking beautifully, so I let her continue with the upper. 
And so all I asked for was just a lower reset, right? So it's, it's really not that big of a deal, but what happens is you get the lowers in and then they start them from number one, right? And then you have whatever number she's up top and it can get a little confusing to people. And we'll take them out and bag them separately, but it's extra work for your team that's not necessary. So my advice is when you go into just do them both at the same time, even if one arch is still tracking. But we just reset the lower and you're gonna see here looks a lot better. But take note, I always ask for a Bolton, right? And it was 1.31 and I ignored it because I should have planned some lower IPR and I didn't. So you're gonna see where that comes back to kind of haunt me again because we still do not get that tooth fully aligned, right? So we go back in for another refinement. The upper in the meantime is more or less done, right? So we're kind of just in this um, holding pattern on, on the upper and I'm gonna go back in and do the lower refinement. And I'll show you that setup and gonna just see what I did here. And now we're gonna go back in and take care of the issue of the Bolton, okay? So when it comes to IPR, again, I think I've said over and over again, I prefer to do it towards the end. You're gonna see kind of towards the middle of the end, and then these are overcorrection aligners. I typically will order those on most patients, but I don't always use them. I may just use one, I may use two, I may just use the upper, I may just use the lower. But I always kind of have them in my back pocket because as orthodontists, we have C-chains, uh, right? We have the colorful C-chains that we often are using at the end of our fixed cases to close up those spaces that we've created from our wires, brackets, and bands. So I have them in my back pocket. I often don't need all of them. And in this case, we ended up only really using one of them. And so you all remember now how that one tooth looked. It was really pretty much out of place, looking much better. She's pretty happy at this point, and I'm thinking we're done, but she's like, you know, doctor, I don't like the way that one tooth looks. I think it sticks out. So you all know these people, they come in with like one tooth that's just like the thing that's driving them crazy, and all of a sudden they become the uh, orthodontist, and they're, they're in there with their 10X mirror at home, staring at every nook and cranny of their teeth. So we end up doing one more quick refinement. I'm not gonna show you that ClinCheck. And we did finally finish her. And it took 24 months and 16 visits. What could have I done besides, you know, setting it up better from the start? We could have certainly saved ourselves probably two, you know, refinements. We could have given her things like an accelerant, could have used Propel, right? So there are other things like other auxiliary things I could have used to shorten her treatment. And quite honestly, today I would anticipate with what I know now, how I set these things up, we would have probably finished it in 15 months without using accelerant or Propel. And, but what's really nice, and, and, you, and it's, it's, it's so interesting, and Clark talked about it this morning, it's so true. Look at, you know, it, these, these, the, her teeth are leaning in, and look how much younger she looks. It's like, I had one patient told me it's better than a facelift, because it makes you look younger and you don't have to do, you know, facial plastic surgery. So here she is before and after, and 
Here are my diamonds. You need to ask for a Bolton on each case, okay? And I would also, until, and I don't know, I haven't seen the, the updated ClinCheck Pro yet. I'm hoping that we will be able to see contact points between teeth. But until then, I always ask my technician to verify that the teeth are moving without collisions or heavy contacts, okay? So here's a Gen X patient. This is Jessica. And she has uh, more or less a, a class one deep bite. And the thing with her treatment that concerned her was the, the, this lateral incisor sticking out. She didn't like that lateral incisor. And I show this case from the standpoint of um, here's a, a, a patient who really wasn't that excited about even doing anything and, and kind of, I would say, was kind of coerced into treatment by one of my staff members who's really good friends with her. And she really was not that excited about being there. But once we got started with her treatment, uh, she certainly became a raving fan of, of what we were able to do. So. Uh, one, the, the biggest thing on this ClinCheck that I want to make note here is the treatment card, which I think is worth looking at as well um, on all, all your setups. And if you notice on her treatment card here, let me scroll down a little bit, you can see these power ridges. And I'm going to focus on the power ridges on this case because we had a lot of torquing that had to be done, especially on, the, especially on 8 and 9. You can see that on number 7 here, there is an attachment that goes on a little bit later because we're trying to, first we're doing some torquing and then once that is, is done, there's some extrusion that is accomplished as well. And if I had to do it all over again, you know, and it's funny, I, this, it, you can see here they, they just had the torquing auxiliary on from uh, six to 19. I would have more or less had put that on right away and, and maybe even eliminated that attachment. But irregardless of that, the biggest thing that I did wrong here is the fact that, let's look at the lower. She had significant crowding, and there was a Bolton. And I'll show that to you. Let me go back to this part. She definitely had a Bolton discrepancy, which was ignored. So here it is, way down here, of 1.17. It was ignored, and if you look at the ClinCheck, it looks like the midlines are really lined up beautifully, but her end result, the midlines are slightly off. And this is a situation, exact opposite of Susan. Now, Susan became kind of really obsessive compulsive about every little movement of her tooth. Jessica was like, you know what, doc? I don't really want a refinement. I don't want any more. This is better than I expected and I'm done. I wanted to go back in and do some IPR, maybe do a little bit more bite opening and get that midline. But she was happy and nine appointments of treatment and she was gone and has been a, a, a good source of referrals for us. So here she is before and after. What's really remarkable is really a big change in her profile, which a nice improvement there. So power ridges, how to love them. Ask for more than you need as far as the amount of torque. And you've got to build an intrusive component to the movement. If you ever have torquing auxiliaries and you have some extrusion going on, you're going to have some problems. I would say the other big takeaway message is I think you need to be like, you can, I get a lot of doctors saying to me, I don't understand how you get the expansion you get. Because I asked my technician to do arch development and I'm not getting it. 
I'm really specific about it. You certainly can go in there and just do it yourself now, okay? And I think there's something to be said about just getting in there and moving the teeth. Um, but I've gotten so used to working with my technician, I just type in these instructions and I pretty much get whatever I want. And I'm asking her to do this amount of expansion. This is just an example. But you can see I'm very specific what teeth and how much. And that'll give you the arch forms you want. That'll also keep teeth from moving that you don't want to move, right? So let's talk some class twos now. Um, I'm going to show you two different ways that I treat adult class twos, okay? I'm not sure which one is right or which one's wrong, but it's two different ways. And Lisa mostly is class two on the right, and age 41, and so she's part of that, that Gen X group. And here she is, I'll show you her ClinCheck. And Biggest complaint was really she just didn't like eight and nine, right? She didn't like the rotation, how those teeth rolled into each other. She didn't even know anything about her class two, right? They never know anything about the class two on, on the right side. And, and if you start talking to them about a class two and a class three and, and getting into all this you know, very detailed information, you're gonna lose them. So all you can say is, you know, your teeth don't fit as well on the right as they do on the left. And that can be a problem, and we can fix that as long as you're willing to wear some elastics along with your aligners 22 hours a day. Very simple. So what I did here is simply uh, ask for rotation. I asked for seven and six to be rotated distally on her upper right, and then I asked them to Basically, just it's not even a bite jump. It's kind of like the teeth are rotating, and as they're rotating, it's, it's creating some space to move them um, distally, and she's backing it up with a class two. It's very similar to our fixed appliances. We, we sometimes forget that we're using, most of us are using a straight wire appliance. There are certain things that are built into it. We kind of have to build those things into our ClinCheck. I tend to ask for more than I need or want or expect, especially with the adult patient. I think if there's one big take home, adult patients, I think you need to really think about overcorrection in certain types of movement, such as rotation. So I'm asking for 20 degrees. I'm not gonna get 20 degrees, but I'm gonna ask for it. And she's backing it up with some class twos. And you can see here that I'm using uh, precision cuts instead of button cuts. Again, it's just a management thing, okay? It's to, I'm gonna share with you tips for being efficient. You tell a patient they can eat whatever they want, nothing's gonna break, there's no emergencies, then you put buttons on them, and they go out to dinner with their friends, or they go to a cocktail party, and they eat a big handful of almonds, and the buttons come off, right? And then they're calling you up, and they're upset, right? And you're looking like, oh, well, uh, you, can't, you can't tell them they can't eat the almonds because you just told them that they could eat whatever they want. So we've pretty much dropped the whole button thing, except for maybe at the very end. You'll see a couple cases at the end where I put some buttons just to, for a couple weeks just to close down things. But um, as far as class two elastics, class three elastics, we're using precision cuts. You have to make sure if you're doing this, you're gonna add a lot more, you're gonna have to have more attachments. So it's kind of, you know, you gotta weigh what works for you. But it, you know, if you wanna make your patients happy and not have phone calls and them upset with you and losing some trust in you, 
think about precision cuts instead of the button cuts, okay? So with Lisa, let's look at the lower. Again, nothing really um, to, the, the biggest takeaway on, on her case really is the fact that I, I'm correcting the class two without doing specifically distalization, okay? I'm just asking for some simple molar rotation and backing it up with class twos. That's pretty much what I did here. And the other thing, and I know this morning I thought it was beautiful because it's so true. Um, we're getting some really great bite opening just from the standpoint of arch development, uprighting the posterior teeth. And even though we can see, if we look from here, and, and she doesn't have necessarily, you know, she's got a, a decent curve of speed. I know that I'm going to get that curve of speed leveled out just from doing a combination of intrusion of the lower anterior teeth and getting some molar and premolar uprighting. I mean, sometimes I'll specifically ask for extrusion of the premolars and molar, but just arch development is gonna open bites. And we all know that from our fixed cases. As soon as you put a bunch of brackets and wires on, they come back and their bite looks a lot more open than it did eight weeks before. So Lisa had 21 aligners and here she is. Um, and that was pretty much all we did with her. We talked about some dark triangles right here. She wasn't interested. You know, I never bring it up unless they do, to be honest with you. If there was a midline issue, maybe we would have talked about it. She was thrilled. She said, you know, 12 months, she was done. Seven appointments, very efficient, okay? That is where you can say, okay, Invisalign can be efficient. This can work for my practice. This, you know, this was a very short treatment, and we got a, a nice result correction of her class two, very compliant patient. And here she is before and after, and panos, and my diamonds. Okay, precision cuts, we talked about that. My deep bite correction, this is if people always say, well, what's your standard deep bite correction? I don't know if I have a standard, but I would say that this is probably my routine one. Um, and then this is what I've used, just like Sam was talking about this morning. You know, before we had the G5 innovations, this is what we had to do. We had to intrude the lower anteriors and extrude the premolars. I happen to really like to use horizontal beveled attachments on the fours and fives, but certainly the G5 protocols certainly are gonna work for you as well too, and, and might be actually easier to manage. But that bite will open from arch development, so you have to remember to factor that in. I really never ever thought to myself, well, I can't open deep bites. I just, it, it has some, been something we have successful, successfully been doing from day one. You know, sometimes it took like three or, four, three or four refinements, but we were doing it. And then once we got the hang of how to set these cases up more efficiently, we're able to do it in one step. And again, I like to rotate. I typically, on all my class twos, and rotating sevens and sixes distally to get that molar correction as well as creating space. Now we're gonna look at Margaret, who's gonna be treated differently as far as the class two. And here is a baby boomer, age 65, and her chief complaint was this lower tooth. She didn't like that, right? And of course, she didn't like the way her front teeth lined up. And 
Margaret was really searching for somebody who would treat her with Invisalign non-extraction. And I'm not a big fan of extraction. I went to University of Pennsylvania. I don't know anybody here went to is a Penn grad, but you know, I was brought up with Slick Van Arsdale, Dr. Van Arsdale, and extraction wasn't something that we were we did a ton in, in the clinic. And at age 65, I'm certainly not about to start taking adult teeth out on a 65-year-old woman. So I said, Margaret, we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to make the space for that tooth. It may require some slenderizing of the teeth to get them in, but we're going to do it. And it's going to require, you know, your cooperation on wearing Invisalign. So let's take a peek. Oh, and then the other thing, if you notice, she's got, um, you know, she's got some class two issues, some overjet that I want to resolve. The thing that was in my back pocket, she's got pretty good, she's got excellent gingival health. So there wasn't a lot of recession. There wasn't a lot of, you know, she didn't have a lot of uh, cervical erosion issues. We had some really good gingival health, which kind of helped me do as much expansion as I could without feeling guilty that she was going to end up needing uh, loads of grafts later. So here's this setup. And a couple things with her setup that I would do differently. First of all, let's look at the staging, OK? And we had attachments that went on at aligner number three. And I, like I said, this was kind of before smart track. So a lot of times I wasn't placing the attachments, especially on super crowded cases, until aligner number three, because I just wanted, especially these older patients, I wanted them to get used to getting them in and out. Um, another thing I did that is just insane here is that there's, I'm so focused, I'm, I'm trying to, she really wasn't excited about getting a wisdom tooth out there. And I, you know, she said, really, doc, I don't want that out. And if I have to get it out, I'll accept a compromise in my, uh, my bite correction. And I said, fine, you know, let's see what we can do. So I was very focused on distalizing eight, seven, and six on that left side that I failed to move any other teeth in her arch. And there's no reason to, that these teeth can't be moving, expanding outward and these teeth rotating. So that would have saved me probably about 20 aligners. And she also had some attachments. You can see there was IPR here, and then there was some attachments. Let me show you something here on the lower that is really, um, let me get this set up for you. Okay, so on the lower here, if we look at this, um, there was an attachment that was added right in the beginning. Well, that, there was no way. I could not get that attachment on. I mean, it was impossible. So it never really went on, and we really never really needed it because the tooth, the plastic pushes really pretty well. So didn't really need that. If there was anything that I probably needed was some uh, buccal root torque, right? Because that, that uh, root is pretty lingual still. And that would have probably, the other thing too, I, so the first thing was, you know, kind of having everything move at once, not not allowing you know all of this to happen where like for almost a year there's not much going on and trying to keep i like to have all active upper and lower aligners i i don't like to have passive aligners it's not it's not like anything clinically significant it's just that a lot of times patients tell me 
They don't know they're passive unless they read their little bag and see it says passive. But they tell me, they'll, they'll say, gosh, my lowers always feel so loose compared to my uppers or vice versa. So now I always ask for all active aligners, you know, from whatever, stage one till they're done. And that way, even if, the, even if the, the velocity in one arch is slowed down, at least it's still active. But 65 aligners is a crazy amount. Uh, if I had thought about it, we could have given her some accelerant to speed it up. Instead, what I did was I put her on a 10-day cycle. So let's take a look at where she's at at the end of that first round of treatment, which took us about eight, 15 to 18 months. So she's wearing elastics. We got the lower lined up pretty nicely, um, got some great arch development. You can see I have hooks on her teeth for the class two elastics. Um, decent correction over here. It's not perfect, but much better than I expected, to be honest with you. And now we're going to go back in and we're going to do some of the IPR that I did not do. If you notice, there was IPR planned. I didn't do it in the first stage at all. And a lot of times I'll program it in and kind of use it or not to my discretion. And with her, I decided to kind of wait until the refinement to finally do the IPR. Because I, I wanted to really see how much I could get from the actual aligner expansion. The other thing we talked about, number eight, there's another tooth, short, needs uh, some cosmetic work, no doctor, I don't want to do any veneers, I want the teeth just to be level at the end. So I go back in for the refinement stage on her, and the one thing about these patients, you know, this age group, and those of you that have treated this age group, you know they're extremely compliant. They, they, they make their appointments, they wear their elastics, they're really uh, dedicated and they trust you. Um, it's, it's a mindset of that baby boomer generation, they, the, the professional is the professional. And so she was a trooper, I, I have her in elastics still, and we're trying to basically get this left side socked in and also trying to get some of the right side positioned just a little bit better. And now you can see, if we look at the staging tab, that all the IPR is happening at one time and we're going to finally finish her case up and get her out of aligners finally because now she has another round of aligners which at this stage she's changing every week. Okay, and here we go with her final results. So she had 30 months of treatment. It was a long time. Now, looking back on it, I probably could have, I know I could have reduced that first round in half. And we could have given her accelerant. We could have used Propel. We could have done some of those other things to speed it up. Um, she loved coming in. A lot of times, you know, these people come in and, and they, it, you know, when I had patients in fixed appliances and they were adult patients with braces on, I used to spend maybe about 20 minutes of their appointment just in, you know, psychological counseling about their braces because they were complaining about, you know, oh, doctor, these braces, I hate them. They look at the rubbing and they'd roll down their lip and they'd show me how their lips were all torn up and I hate these things. And, you know, sometimes they'd say stuff to me that I'm not going to repeat what they tell me, but they would tell me some stories about how the braces were interfering with their love life and things like that. And now what happens is, you know, and then the last 20 minutes of the appointment, we'd actually do the wire change. Now these patients come in and we don't have a different appointment. If you have an aligner delivery, it doesn't matter if you're 65 or 15, it's the same time period. There's no change, there's no difference in our schedule. It's a, it's a 10 minute appointment. And 
The, the only thing that's really cool about this is a lot of times they come in, they're wearing their liners, everything's tracking well, and they're sharing about their lives. And a lot of times I know her husband was having some health issues during this time. So I think part of, you know, she just kept coming in and getting more liners and she was like, it was like free counseling, you know. I, I'm, giving, I'm making her teeth straight and I'm giving her some encouragement about her, her husband's health issues. And she just, um, it was a joy. And you can see here on the before and after, I mean, she, again, you know, it, it, I think it changes a patient's uh, overall uh, appearance. It changes, it makes them look younger. So if I had to make a comment about this, I would say that I probably needed to provide a little more buccal root torque to the lower right too. I think the tooth was still kind of tipped forward, you know, and the root was still lingually displaced. I already told you about the, uh, the expansion. There was no reason not to move uh, all the teeth, you know, especially if you're doing some arch expansion uh, right from the start. So class two correction in adults. I don't have the exact answer for you. I showed you two cases. I did it two different ways. One was more or less with some molar rotation, and I don't know if you'd call it a bite jump, but definitely backed up with class two elastics. And then this one was distalization mechanics, and it was like a sequential distalization where it took back the eight, the seven, the six, five, four, and three, okay? And the end results were both patients had corrections. One took a little less time, but was also a lot easier case. But the truth, the bottom line is you need to wear elastics. And if you have patients that are coming in, they're not tracking, you're not getting results, don't beat yourself up. A lot of times, they're not wearing their elastics. They're not wearing the aligners as much as they say they are. And you gotta dig deep, you gotta ask the right questions. You really can't just say, oh, Margaret, are you wearing your rubber bands? Oh yeah, doctor, I'm wearing them. Oh, okay, Margaret, are they, tell me how you wear them. Like, when do you put them in? When do you take them out? You gotta dig deep and you'll find that the truth is that they actually only have them in when they go to bed at night. <laughs> yes, they're wearing them, but they're only wearing them about eight hours a day. So um, I find that when we have cases that aren't um, doing well or not tracking well or the patient doesn't seem to be moving forward, it, it's, not just, it's not just us. You know, We tend to kind of blame ourselves. A lot of times it's poor cooperation on their part and you really need to have a heart to heart with them right from the get go. Don't just keep doing refinements. Don't keep setting mid-courses. Have a discussion. I need you to wear these. Are you committed to this treatment? And, and get them back in, you know, back in focused getting the treatment done. So I'm gonna teach you guys how to build some new referral relationships through your Invisalign patients. So Daryl comes in, he's a firefighter, and Daryl is concerned about his lower crowding and he comes in and says doctor I'm going to retire in a couple years and I just found out I had five thousand dollars in ortho I never used I'm like okay we can take care of you so anyway so we I said Daryl you know what had you ever thought about this tooth this uh, upper front tooth it's kind of short you've ground it down you know and we explain how that happens he goes no I never did but I don't like it either you're right you know so I, I actually had to point that out because sometimes they don't, I mean, most of the times the patients don't even notice it, right? They're looking at their lower crowding, and meanwhile, number nine is, is significantly shorter than number eight. And he, he I don't know exactly, I think he came in through the Invisalign doc locator because he was commuting like an hour to see us and had 
had this dentist he was working with, and I forget the town he was in at the time. But anyway, we connected with the dentist, and the plan was to intrude number nine and obviously line up the lower anterior teeth. So take a look at Daryl's treatment here. Okay, so 15 aligners, and you're gonna see that I'm intruding number nine, and I'm over-intruding it, right? That's way more than you'd want, right? And I don't have any attachments on seven or 10, and if I set it up today, I, I would. I would put attachments on seven and 10. I definitely would have horizontal uh, attachments on those teeth. I didn't hear. If we look at the lower, you know, he had some crowding. It is more to me on the mild to moderate side. So gonna do, you know, some buckle movement of the posterior teeth, right? They're going out and we're gonna create space to, to line up those lower anteriors. If we look at the staging, every, all the attachments went on and everything's, I'm happy with that. And let's see how he looks after that first stage. So here we are, send him back to the dentist. And the dentist is happy. He said to me, he goes, you know what, can you, just, can you just move it up just a little bit more? And he wanted me to kind of overcorrect it slightly. And then I think we're good to go. So go back in. There's a couple things down here that you know I was gonna fi finish up too. So we go in and do a refinement. And the refinement I do in this particular situation was typically when we do refinements, we always rescan the patient. We have an iTero scanner, we rescan the patient. This case, I didn't scan him. We just took photos because I thought, well, he only wanted a little bit more intrusion. I think like, I think it was like half a millimeter, something like that. It was a very small amount. And there was just a little bit of work to do on the bottom, not much. So I decided not to rescan him because the aligners fit really well and just wanted to save myself a visit and a scan. So we took some pictures, uploaded them, and then made the changes, very simple. So he comes back after these three aligners and he tells me, you know, Doc, I, I moved. I'm not living, I forget where he was living. Uh, I'm living right near you now, in the, 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 your, near your office. I want, can you refer me to somebody? Because I'm not gonna use the other doctor anymore because he ended up retiring and selling his practice and I don't, I, I just want a new dentist myself now. So this gave me a chance, and you, we all have that opportunity where patients come in, they may not even have a dentist when they show up, and we have a chance to refer out. So I had this really good opportunity to refer him to a local dentist that does great cosmetic work that I've been wanting to connect with for a decade. And I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to send good old Daryl over there. And when I get him sent over there, he says to me, you know, I, we need some overjet, Donna. I need overjet because I, you know, everybody has their own little school of thought and how they do things. He goes, I need some overjet because I'm gonna be placing some sort of special veneer where it's gonna be on the lingual as well. So now I'm in the business of IPR, right? Because I had to create some overjet. He wanted two millimeters to be exact. So that's what I had to give him, right? And I made sure that he and I got together and looked at this before I approved it. 
to make sure he was happy. So you can see pretty decent amount of overjet, right? And sent Bob back, and here he is with his two veneers and 10 appointments and 17 months later. But what happened from this case, and it, you know, from a restorative standpoint, I think he did a great job. Daryl's happy, I'm happy, and now I developed a relationship with this particular general dentist who is now sending us a lot of these type of cases to get Invisalign before he goes back in to do his implants, veneers, and all the other good things that he does. So overcorrect intrusion, I think, is key. I always overcorrected at least a half a millimeter, if not more especially on adults. I mean, if it's a teenager, I may just pretty much do maybe half a millimeter, but an adult, I'll go at least a millimeter. The restorative cases, if you can get patients that come in and they don't have a dentist, and you can then send them to somebody that you have been wanting to connect with, um, you can develop some really great new relationships. And of course, early and frequent communication with the restorative dentist would have probably eliminated uh, that second refinement, but didn't really have a choice. But let's look at Nicholas, who is age 25. And Nicholas comes in. Um, he is a, a millennial, OK? And he has uh, peg laterals, severe overjet, class 2, pretty challenging case. And he is uh, basically says, you know, look, I'm gonna, I, want, I want my teeth to be fixed. I'm going to go and get the veneers done at the end. And I, I just want as perfect a bite as possible. I'll do whatever it takes. So I'll show you how I set him up, because there's some learning involved here with him that I think will help all of you. And that is um, he had, again, a lot of aligners. And by now, you'd probably know that I wouldn't do what I did, which was I focused a lot of attention on this sequential distalization in the back, right? And the poor guy has like these teeth sticking out, and he's wearing Invisalign, and nothing's happening for about a year. If you look at the staging on it, look at the staging, you know, like a liner 21 or something, the front teeth start moving. So, with that being said, as soon as I realized, you know, what I had done, I just had to move through them a little bit faster. And a lot of times on these cases where you have uh, patients where you're doing some distalization mechanics, it's not uncommon in our office to move them through them in a 10-day cycle and have them switch them out every 10 days. And of course, today you could, you could give somebody like him Excelident, and that would speed it up. I didn't do this IPR here. I, I kind of just ignored it, to be honest with you, because I really didn't know. I just didn't even pay attention to it. And he's wearing some class two elastics, as you can see. Okay, Let's look at, real quick here, the bottom arch, the curve of speed situation, which was fairly significant. And you can see we're doing some intrusion, doing some a little bit of a premolar extrusion, and it appears like these guys are extruding with no attachments, but you have to remember, right, I'm doing some arch development as well, so we are getting some uprighting, and we are changing the arch form, and getting those molars and the premolars to upright, and that's going to open the bite. So here he is after this first stage, and we got a nice correction of the class two. He's a trooper wearing his elastics. Still want to do a little bit more here in the front. So I go back in, 
And I'm working with his dentist. He has a dentist that he's working at, you know, he sees. It's somebody that I, I, I don't work with normally. It's not a doctor that I, you know, that, that works with us. And we're in close connection and we're trying to get the case finished up so he can get these veneers. So this is just trying to finish up. I'm trying to just get a little bit better position, honestly, of the upper anterior teeth. So we're doing a little bit of uh, torquing, a little bit more intrusion in the anterior region, upper and lower, you can see. And if we do a little quick superimposition, you can see I'm intruding those. And if we look at the lower, a little bit more, not much there on the lower. Just trying to finalize things. He probably didn't need that many aligners to do it. He's on a weak cycle at this point. Great patient. And you can see the class two correction. This time I did a tiny, tiny little bit of IPR just to make sure that both, what's really nice about these cases is that you can literally, if the, if the general dentist tells you I need seven and a half millimeters between you know, uh, number six and number eight, you can, you can actually give them that. Is, isn't it a nightmare when you have fixed appliances on and you're trying to, they, they say, please space the peg lateral in between the space, even half a millimeter on both sides, right? And you have these open coils and you're trying to do it. I mean, it's just, it's really hard. At least with aligners, you can totally do it and give them exactly what they want. So here he is all finished and that's his final. Still needs, he still needs the restorative and he does finally get it done and there he is with the final restorative. So here is before and after. He had a lot of upper aligners, 61 upper aligners, 27 lower, and 19 in refinement. But a nice big change in the profile as well, and a good correction on the class two. Yes? Do I usually use? Traditionally, I use about a six ounce elastic. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't use real heavy elastics. Six ounce, maybe, something like that, maybe four ounce. I mean, I'm using, we use pretty light elastics. I find that if a patient, if I, if I use a lighter elastic, I get better compliance because they, they just seem like they can put them in, they, they, they don't complain about their teeth being sore. Please make sure you close spaces between anterior teeth. You, you all probably would have done that. I probably was, it was probably when I, I think when I look back, I probably was setting this case up and I was you know, sitting outside with, near my pool and I was drinking a glass of Chardonnay or something and I just, I don't know, just totally spaced out about it. But I prefer to have all active upper and lower aligners just to kind of keep everything active. You know, when we have our fixed appliances on, we have wires in the whole time. We very rarely, even the wire may not be doing much, it's still active in our patients' mouths. Bite opening, this is kind of my traditional bite opening methodology, and I already shared that with you. Um, it's really important, I think, to use the Bolton analysis, ask for that. It's, it is like one of my top, top diamonds. Because when you have that Bolton analysis, now you'll know where your tooth size discrepancies are and you'll know how much they are. And then you can plan your IPR. Doesn't mean all the time that I do exactly the IPR that's programmed. In fact, I would recommend that you not necessarily do all the IPR they recommend. Especially 
I, I would say that if they tell me to do like 0.5 between teeth, I'll probably go in there the first time and do maybe like 0.2 and see how that works. Because I have over IPR teeth and then I created a new tooth size discrepancy, right? And then I have a situation where I can't close the space because I over IPR to teeth. And that has happened to me enough times that I now am very cautious with my IPR and probably do about half of what is programmed in here, and then reevaluate it. You can always do more. It's kind of hard to put the enamel back on. So let's look at Leanne, He's class three. Um, and this patient came to me from a, a, a general dentist that, again, I really have never, ever, ever had a really strong relationship with as far as referral patterns. But she went to a seminar I gave and saw some of the cases I was treating, and all of a sudden started to get a lot of her adult patients in our door. Because she has these people who are saying they want their teeth fixed, but they don't want braces. This is a pretty straightforward case. I mean, most of you saw a ton of, if you went to Dr. Shen's yesterday's, you saw lots of class three. The big thing on this is really just planning out the IPR, and you'll see that the IPR comes more towards the tail end, right? And she's wearing class three elastics the whole time. Whenever I have a class three case, they start elastics right away. Here's her progress, and then here's her final. So this was a 12-month treatment time with seven appointments. And if I had to make a comment here, she basically, I mean, really nice improvement in the upper lip, you know, brought those front teeth out. And I think we talked about all of those. Probably one of my most challenging cases occurred a couple years ago when Travis came in at age 27 and said, I'm getting married in 12 months. So here's one of those Gen Y people that are in a hurry, you know, and he's gonna get married in 12 months. And he wants his upper front teeth in front of his lower. And I'm going to show you his initial ClinCheck because it's the, the, it's the most important thing to show because there was a couple things that were, I did. You know, on all these class threes, you know, a lot of these patients, you know, he was a waiter. He had no money. He couldn't do surgery. He just wanted his upper teeth and his lower teeth, you know, to be kind of in the opposite direction, right? And one of the things that I knew, and you can see on the lower, he has a lot of space, so I just kind of closed it up, right? And that was kind of uh, what I call money in the bank, right? He had all that spacing. It's just retracting that. He's wearing class three elastics right from the start. And of course, you know, he would definitely benefit. There's no doubt he would have benefited from some surgery. But the biggest thing here that I want to show everyone, and it's just a take-home message, and that is this upper jaw. If we look at the beginning here, the space is closing between his upper front teeth. And what I didn't realize was that as they were closing the space, my technician was intruding those teeth. And it was really the last thing I wanted her to do because of this. You'll see. I mean. He doesn't show a lot of his upper, right? He doesn't show any of his upper front teeth. And then you go intrude them, and he just pretty much buried them. So while he was happy right here, this was the day, a couple days before his wedding, we took the brack buttons off, he went and got married. He did come back, and we did do some refinements on him. And I ended up extruding these upper anterior teeth. 
And I'm just going to kind of show you where we got to at the end. So here he is. The biggest thing with his case that I think is a take home is that, you know, a lot of these cases come in. They don't have the resources for surgery. Uh, they don't want surgery. They're seeking somebody that's going to treat them and give them a much better smile. Yeah. That's a good question. So what happens is there is a point where they're hitting edge to edge, right? They're hitting edge to edge. And we kind of warn them, you know, you're going to have like a week where you're hitting kind of edge to edge and it's really uncomfortable. So we tell them, this is pretty much what we coach them to do. During that time frame, they're going to notice it when they are eating. That's when they notice it, right? Because when the aligners are in, they don't really notice it that much. So we usually will tell them to either uh, to leave the lower aligner in and possibly the upper, but usually the lower, and they'll have to maybe eat with that lower aligner in until it fully jumps. But that's a good question. So that's kind of how we coach them through it. So they get to eat with the lower aligner until it, it corrects and, and they're not banging on their upper front two incisors. And I know uh, we talked a lot about um, posterior open, the posterior open bite thing, a lot of posterior open bites really are caused from anterior interferences or really super heavy contacts in the front. And my advice now, and this is what I do all the time, is I use my ClinCheck Pro occlusion tab and I check that. And I make sure that they are virtually no contacts on the front teeth. Mm -hmm. I don't see why not, right? You would do it before you did the scan or the impressions, right? So that they would be on there, right? Because you'd have to have the aligner, right, fit over it. That I don't know. That would be something to ask John Morton. <laughs> that I don't know. Yeah, I usually will ask them to provide maximum occlusal contact in the posterior, maximum. And they'll, I actually, you see, I'm pretty lazy. I like using the ClinCheck Pro, but I, I still tend to like to delegate as much as I can to my technician. So I'll ask her to provide me maximum occlusal contact in the posterior, and she will do that. And then I'll get a little note saying, please, you know, you're going to have, they're going to, they tell you it's too heavy. You're going to have to do some occlusal adjustment. And that, so far is working out really super well. If you leave the red spots on the posterior, you're going to be in much better shape. So I'm going to show you two last cases here. Um, these are the, the hard cases that are showing up in our offices because nobody else wants to treat them, right? And these are the cases that you know, you're going to get referred in because the general dentist in this case, he was giving this patient, he, had, he told me he was in some sort of night guard, and he said he noticed his bite changed as he was wearing this night guard over the years. It was helping him with his grinding, right? You can see the wear. But his bite was changing to the point where he went to his dentist, he said, hey, I'm only hitting on, I'm only hitting on my second molar now on that back tooth. And that's all he was hitting on that second molar. So we ended up, um, 
you know, I got, he, re, he got referred in and I set him up. And I'm going to just show you the, the ClinCheck here on this open bite case because I think it is probably one of the worst open bites I've ever seen where a patient is only hitting on one tooth. And here you can see the ClinCheck. So he's narrow, he's hitting right back here. That's pretty much it. That is his occlusion. You know, obviously, uh, big guy, you know, he's like 6'2", um, jovial guy, just not, he's in pain, uncomfortable, um, claims he can't eat, but I don't know, looked like he was pretty well fed to me, but whatever, uh, didn't want to argue with him on that. So here you can see the setup, and let's look at it from the side view. Typically, on, so he has this, so I, it, I usually, and I, and I hate to say always usually, but there's always certain things that you all have these treatment plans in your office for your fixed cases that are like your usual protocols, right? There's like the usual wires you're going to do and the usual staging. So in this case, the usual staging is going to be to, I'm going to intrude the posterior teeth, okay? And then you can see, and I'm also at the same time, one of the challenges in this case was I had to, let's look at it from this standpoint here. This is really a pretty challenging situation. So it was really narrow, so I'm trying to do some arch development, and I'm trying to intrude teeth at the same time and close this open bite. So, and I didn't use any anterior extrusion attachments. I only used them on the lower, and I didn't even place them right away. I placed them a little bit later, as you'll see. So you can see the posterior teeth expanding out, intruding, and then that famous bite jump at the end, right? So here he is, teeth floating in air, right? And then we get the famous bite jump at the end. And that is uh, 33 aligners. So here he is at about 13 months of treatment. And we're just in, this is just progress. I'm not done yet. We're not done. So we're still working on him. But really, it was, to me, it just showed how well plastic works for these open bite cases. You know, he, he wasn't going to have surgery. He, you know, he was, you know, wanting to chew better. He wanted to feel better. He was having jaw problems. And here we are at 13 months, and he's so excited that his, he can actually contact on the majority of his teeth. I mean, we're going to go in and do a refinement now, and, and he's almost kind of edged. He, he probably all along was edged edge class three-ish, but we're going to go back in and, and do a refinement and finish the case up. But now the case is a very doable case. I mean, it's, it's a case that we all sitting here could go, oh, okay, I can finish that. So here he is before and after. Life-changing for this man, absolutely life-changing, and made his dentist very happy as he was kind of worried about the situation that he kind of caused from the bite appliance he had given him. And here are some superimpositions, which I think, you know, the, the take-home here is we got some intrusion, but look at the intrusion in the lower molars. Maybe a tiny little bit on the upper second molar, and we definitely got the mandible swinging forward, right? Which is what you'd expect if you had some posterior intrusion. You have auto rotation. My last case, and I know we're running out of time, um, David was dragged into the office kicking and screaming by his wife, 
who was a patient of ours at the time. And she, he was told he, he was not a candidate for Invisalign, not a candidate for anything but braces and surgery. And she kept saying to him, you gotta see my doc, you gotta see my doc and see what she can do. Um, tough case, you know, totally, he's got, he's got some serious issues with cervical erosion, he's got very thin attached gingiva, very narrow tongue thrust, he won't smile at all, this is about as good as we could get without having to put our clown suits on and jump up and down, he wouldn't smile. And I'll show you, there was a couple things about this case, and you know what, I'm running out of some time here, so maybe what I'll do is I'll just kind of explain, I'll just show you the pictures maybe. So what happened was on the refinement number one, we had some tracking problems, right? And the biggest issue was, and it was kind of like the other patient I showed you, the lower incisors weren't tracking well because I was trying to do some expansion without um, really creating space. So we actually had a reset really quickly within the first 15 aligners we were back in. And then in refinement number two, things are getting better. You can see, and I forgot, I failed to mention, he had some pre-ortho grafting done. We were, we are working, uh, we were working with, he, he had gone to a periodontist before seeing me who recommended some pre-ortho grafting. So there is some grafting that was done. And I'm being really super careful not to over, um, you know, over expand those lower incisors. So at refinement number two, we actually go in and do some IPR. And then here we are getting close to the end. And the biggest challenge I was having here was with these lateral incisors losing the tracking on laterals, right? Isn't that one of our least favorite teeth in the mouth? I mean, oh my gosh. So his teeth, I'd get them down, right? And then they go back up. Anybody else ever have that problem? They come down, they go up, they come up, okay. So finally we're on, we're kind of getting, I'm getting, he's, he's getting done, I'm getting, we're all wanting to just finish this case. So there's, you know, we put some buttons on and we did, some triangle elastics. I did them on the right side first, and then I did it on the left side. And then finally, we finished him. And here he was, 30 months later, 26 office visits, and we didn't even have to put our clown outfits on. He actually smiled for us that day. Um, a case that, you know, at first, you know, I thought, wow, this is, you know, probably really, truly a surgical case but a patient who is adamant about not having surgery, kind of shy about dentistry in general, very anxious and nervous. And here's his before and after. You can see a beautiful smile. And we love Chewies, by the way. If I had another tip for you, we, we have the patient take their little Chewies and put them in their retainer case. And every time they take them off and put them back on, they gotta use a Chewy. And on your open bite cases, they really need it. They really need to use their chewies, especially in the front, because you lose a lot of tracking. And my typical setup is to intrude the upper and lower molars and first premolars and extrude my anterior teeth. That's my typical. That isn't everybody, and, and it's kind of hard sometimes to give, because people always say, what do you typically do? Well, that's what I typically do, but I also look at the patient's face, and I look at what's happening to them. Um, and I love these horizontal beveled attachments. Very happy patient. So success strategies, these are my success strategies. Non-compliance, don't give them a bunch of aligners. Ask good questions that reveal the truth. 
allow adults to eat snacks. I, I had, anybody have Invisalign? I mean, I, I had Invisalign, and until you have it, you know, you can, you can actually eat certain things with them on. You can go to cocktail parties and drink white wine with them on. I mean, I let my adults eat with them on because I have some adults who say, well, I, I can't, you know, I'm always in these meetings or I'm always doing this. So those are some ways to get adults to cooperate. Um, the Chewies has been our key. I, I, rec I recommend to keep your patient motivated, show them the ClinCheck. This is where we're heading. We're so lucky we can show them because with braces, you really don't have that ability to show them where you're heading. We talked about all these efficiency tips. Uh, if you don't have a scanner, I think it's a game changer. I mean, when you do a lot of Invisalign, it's nice to be able to just pop a patient in the chair and do a refinement real quick with a scanner and not have to deal with PVS and, and going to the UPS store and dropping off the boxes. And um, uh, you know that I'm a big fan of precision cuts and I like doing all my IPR at the same time. So the question is when? There's a lot of adults out there that have, are raising their hands. They want, they want better smiles. They want health. They want to be healthy. They want orthodontics, but they don't want braces. And one of my favorite CEOs, besides Tom Prescott, of course, is Steve Jobs. And he, he was recruiting the uh, CEO of Pepsi. And he said, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want a chance to change the world? And I think, you know, I show some cases. These are, I'm a, I'm a what I call a real life orthodontist. I'm getting these patients that are coming in. They have these problems. And I'm helping them solve their problems using Invisalign. Cases aren't always perfect, the results aren't always perfect, but certainly a lot better than what they started with. And you all have the chance to really make some huge changes in, in people's lives for the better um, with Invisalign. And I want to thank you for your attention. If you have any questions, I